This is Continuing the Conversation, a podcast series brought to you by the Surface Navy Association. This is Paul Wren. So we're here today with uh, BM1 Cheryl Shaw, uh, who is this year's winner of the Admiral Zumwalt Award for Inspirational Leadership. Very interesting woman, but more importantly, a very interesting professional who has done an extremely good job on her ship and who is going to give us her insight today on women in the Navy from her vantage point as a senior enlisted woman uh, coming uh, from an operational ship on the East Coast of the United States Navy. Good morning, Cheryl. How are you? Good morning, Paul. I'm good. How are you? That's great. And I'm honored to be here with you, uh, having read uh, all the things you have done and um, seen your aggressive nature with regard to taking responsibility and doing things that need to be done. So what I'd really like to, like to ask you, because you've obviously been very successful in your job and in the Navy, the Navy has kind of evolved from your vantage. And uh, can you tell me a little bit about the command you're serving in and how, uh, and how that's all going for you? So it's changed significantly. Um, when I first came in, I was 17, and I went to an aircraft carrier where there, the highest-ranking female there was a BM-3 and an entire department of deck on a carrier. So there wasn't a whole lot of female leadership. I got to my second ship, and there were no females in the entire chain of command there. There was only one female chief on the whole ship. So I always had to work way harder to prove myself and be treated as a person, much less an equal to my male peers throughout. So whenever I got to this ship and I was immediately welcomed and respected for who I was and what I had already established to be my career and and myself, it was just a breath of fresh air. I didn't have to work 10 times harder than the person standing right beside me to get the same respect. They just welcomed me. I think part of that probably came with my approach being differently, me evolving and growing and learning. But I had to learn how to not be so assertive because a strong, aggressive female is received differently than an aggressive male is. They're just considered to be a strong leader. I had to kind of tailor my leadership styles to that and be a little different than the males. So the opportunities I've gotten on Libby Island, I think, have opened up so many more doors and I'm able to have that influence and I have so many junior um, girls in my division and in my department who I think I get to have that influence on I get to mentor and it's the first opportunity I've had for that when I first came in there were no females anywhere I looked in leadership positions on that ship we run that ship I have a female CEO who is one of the most amazing leaders that I've I've met so far the way she speaks she's motivating she's just empowering where the person before her, her took that power away and it's it's inspired me to want to give that back one of my biggest things I preach to my girls is take care of each other and I think I've had more than that opportunity at this command wow that's great that's really good you know I'm interested uh, in knowing um, when you got to choose where you wanted to go in the Navy why did you choose surface warfare my first ship, um, I thought I wanted to be a corpsman when I joined the Navy, but I knew I wanted to leave home more than anything. And there were no <laughs> corpsman options available for when I wanted to go. Um, so I thought I'd still try for it. The recruiter sold me, well, we have this packed program. We call it undes- undesignated program for you. So I was like, sign me up. I'm for it. You know, The first day I checked on my first ship, I fell in love with being a bosun's mate. 
But after I got to my second ship, I learned it wasn't because I knew what they did. I knew nothing. I was on a carrier that decommissioned after two years. But the family sense that they had um, shown me is what made me fall in love with that. So when I went to my second ship, it was an amphib, and I learned my job. From there, I went instructing, and then I was with the CBs, and I missed the water. I was not made for the dirt. I was not meant to be a CB, that's for sure. I missed being out in the haze gray and underway, and I wanted to relearn my job. So when it came a time to apply for orders, I put all amphibs. All amphibs were on there, um, everywhere throughout the uh, the U.S. and even overseas. And I got chosen for the Whidbey Island, who was in the yard period, supposed to be coming out after six months. Here we are two and a half years later, and we are just now getting underway. I was discouraged at first because I didn't want to sit by the pier. I wanted to be a BM. So every opportunity to go on another ship I took, now we are finally operational. And it's just so exciting to me that I get to be a bosun's mate again. I get to teach my junior BMs how to be a BM. So that's why I chose it. I wanted to be a bosun's mate. I wanted to get back out there where I belong and do my job. Okay. Well, this is like Good Morning America now. I'm going to say, wow, that's really amazing. (laughs) But since you brought up... Uh, where you came from. I'd like you to talk a little bit about why you chose the surface Navy and especially, you know, incorporate into the fact about where you were born and, and where you came from. And the reason for that is there are so many young women out there today looking for a venue to advance in, uh, in their careers and their profession and to find their way in life. And I think it would be very inspirational, certainly very informative to hear from you What made you decide to come into the Navy and go to surface warfare? Okay. Um, I'm from a very small town in the middle of nowhere of South Florida called Clewiston. It's actually grown quite a bit within the past 10 years, and mainly since I've been in the Navy. Uh, Growing up, though, if you didn't leave right away, you were not leaving, and I knew that I wanted to be more. I was always very good in school. I graduated with honors, but I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to go to school anymore. I wanted out of the town and to be independent and not have to rely on my family for funds anymore. Um, 9-11 happened, and I was in the ninth grade, and every recruiter from every branch came and gave their presentations trying to recruit people and first I thought I wanted wanted to be a marine we talked about the derby realized that wasn't for me right then the navy came and sold it to me Um, they gave me the college incentive to come in they talked to me about you know later on I could always get out and go back to college and still you know pursue that so that was where I went with it I had that sense my grandfather had retired from the army and I I wanted to be able to give back but travel and get paid to do it while I was doing it So I didn't know whether I wanted to be a career person or not. Um, Got to my first ship, and I just, I fell in love with it. I knew that I wanted to be a BMC. There weren't any female BMCs in my head in the whole Navy, so I needed to be that first one or that one that other sailors had to look up to. And then after I got to my second command, I had a very hard time fitting in and making a name for myself because I was a female and there weren't any leadership. So once I got a new chain of command and that mindset changed, I was empowered. I realized the difference that one sailor, one leader could make for just even one person. And so I wanted to be that and give that back to someone after me. There were not a lot of female role models. So now you can't look around and see them anywhere. You can't see anything without females in it. Um, So once I had that new leadership come in and show me what 
what I could be, what I could offer to my junior sailors, I knew that I had to stay in and try to make that difference. And since then, I've, I've been able to try to empower my junior sailors to the same thing. And not just for my females, I, I push my males to do the same thing and treat and try to excel throughout everything in their careers. Okay. That's wonderful. In fact, you, uh, you answered a question I was going to ask you next, and that's about, you've talked a lot about leadership of women. But service in the Navy, service to the country is not about, you know, service or leading women. It's about leading everybody. And you've touched on that very nicely when you talked about leading, leading your male. So let's, let's elevate this to another thing that um, it's called you're invested in your job. You get to your ship and you're invested in what you do. In some ways, it's ownership of, of what you have. And I've seen in your bio and all the things that you've done when you won the Zumwalt Award, that you do take ownership of a lot of things on the ship. And I'd like you to talk to me about that. Why is that important? And how does that make a difference in, in what you're doing when you, you get a job? And it's not just a job. It's something that you believe becomes part of you and you want to do. So can you address that for me at all? Um, early on, I realized that when leadership fails, junior sailors fail. And whenever I got there, there wasn't much ownership in the programs. No one was really invested in the sailors that were there. Um, the morale was down. They had been in the yards and kept getting extended and extended and extended. And everywhere that I had been before, you realize that camaraderie is a huge aspect of what makes a department succeed, which makes a ship succeed. The camaraderie was where we were failing. They weren't forced to be around each other. They weren't um, forced to understand where each other were coming from. They came to work, did a mediocre job of their jobs, and then they went home. So I was able to come in and take over MWR. They needed a new president within the first couple of weeks that I checked on board, and I sold myself, I guess, and they voted me to be the MWR president. Um, while I did that, I was able to organize Captain Cups, Cups events. They weren't doing anything prior to this, so every month I organized and executed a Captain's Cup event, something, for, something as simple as having a barbecue while we played kickball, and you throw in a point system to make it a little competitive, which everyone in the Navy is competitive in some way or another. No one wants to lose. So we played kickball, we did basketball, we did dodgeball. That was probably one of the funnest ones. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> It was fun because it brought everyone together. You had your junior sailors out there with your senior sailors. You even had the triad out there playing. Yeah. So it built this camaraderie where you were able to see your shipmates as people, not just as the the leader standing beside you barking orders that you don't really understand. Um, I was able to quickly become a departmental LPO because we were lacking good leadership in deck department and while there, I was able to really teach them how to operate. Up until then, that ship was just operational. They didn't have the ownership of their spaces, the ownership of their programs. It was just, let's go, 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 go. We have to get this job done without understanding the how you actually do it or the why we're doing it. And I think once you teach sailors why you're actually having to do all these things, they get more invested into that and they want to give more. Um, I think more than anything, I took care of them. And sailors want to work for and follow people that take care of them. No one wants to work for someone that doesn't really care, care about their being. Yeah. And I think that was one of the common problems there. And throughout leadership that I see is everyone is so invested in me 
what am I going to get from this? What recognition am I going to come from here? And when you stop worrying about that and you just make sure that your sailor's taken care of, I think everything else just rolls back to you. And, and that's a lot of what I was able to do while I was on the board with the island. Um, being a career counselor is probably the most rewarding thing that I get to do in the Navy. I love being a bosun's mate, but one of the best things about that is the reach that I have on a vast number of sailors. I have over 30 sailors that work for me who I get to influence at work professionally and help them achieve their personal goals. And that is just probably the best reward that I have because I get to know them as people, which makes me understand them a little bit more whenever I'm having a problem child at work or they're having a hard day. I know where they come from or what they're going through or what their goals are. So it helps me develop as a leader to say, hey, this is how I can motivate them or what's actually going on with you because this isn't how you usually are. Yeah. So being a departmental career counselor and convincing people the Navy is for you, this is probably your best thing. And how do we get you to stay in? Or if you don't, how do I help prepare you to get out was what's probably the coolest part of it is the, the reach that I've had in the grasp for mentoring all of my sailors. Okay. Now I want to, I want to take that another level. Let's talk about communications because you've talked about how you get into everybody's head and you, and you take care of them and you create this sense that you care, which is in my opinion, the most important part of leadership, making, making your crew members, your fellow sailors, your shipmates understand that you care about their lives in in so many different ways and that leads them to be synergistically more perform at a much higher level so talk to me about communication skills how you how you talk to your sailors but i want you to keep in mind when you're doing that that i think one of the most important ingredients of communication is listening and so it sounds to me like you're a very good listener with regard to analyzing what people are saying to you so give us a feel for what you think is important as a leader at your level and, and, and later on at a higher level with regard to the fact of hearing what your sailors are saying. Um, that's not something I've always been good at. When I came in, your, your good bosun mate was that loud, obnoxious, in everyone's face, cussing and yelling at everyone. And it took me going to shore duty and being humbled to realize you don't have to speak to people like that. I um, I had a bad critique from one of my sailors and I actually wasn't able to teach for 90 days because of the way I was speaking to my VBSS students. And that humbled me beyond measure. And that's when I was able to step back and realize, you know, not everyone responds the same way. It, it forced me to adapt my leadership style to the sailor. Some sailors, you can yell at them and they're going to snap out of it. Others, you yell at them and they're going to completely shut down on you and they'll never hear another word that you have to say. And Criticism is very, very hard to take, especially when you are controlling and assertive and you think that you're doing a good job. So hearing that criticism of you were wrong was, was kind of hard but humbling. So I think that's what forced me to have that different approach once I got to this ship. It is a younger, much different generation. I'm, I'm no old salty dog in the Navy, but I'm not the new baby generation either. So when I first got there, I had a hard time understanding how to motivate them. When I came in, you just did your job. And then if you excelled, you got a cookie. Here, you've got to find a way to kind of give them their cookie to make them work. Without really giving them a cookie, they just think you are because you're actually hearing them out. You're making them be invested. 
getting these junior sailors to be invested sometimes comes from listening to what they want or what they need and letting them have a buy-in on it. Okay, we have to get this done. This is how I want to do it. You don't want to do it that way. Tell me how to fix it. Teaching them from an early on um, pay grade that if you have a problem, you need to bring that up with a solution also. Okay, you don't like how I'm running it. How would you do it? So hearing them give that feedback and actually taking that on board to understand that your way isn't the best way, that your one way that you figured out to do things could possibly be improved. Hear them out so that they don't think that anytime they have an issue, it is undermined or it's insignificant to them because once a sailor feels like you don't hear them out, that you don't believe that they have a buy-in, they're not going to push to do anything extra. They're never going to try to be anything more than what they already are right there for you. I think that's really terrific. And, and one thing I've always pointed out to people in uh, a lot of the talks I give is that uh, I always had a suggestion box on my ship. And a lot of people are shocked by that. You know, how could you have a suggestion box? And I reminded them that on uh, the Aegis Cruiser that I commanded, every single guy in Tracker Alley was smarter than me. I mean, they all had higher IQs and they were really great. And in my time in the Navy, in all of those things that I have done, I can tell you that some of the best ideas and not all of the best ideas that I ever got came from sailors at the lower levels. Why is that? Well, because you're the ones who have your hands on things all the time. So it was really, really effective. You've, you've talked a bit about your family, about your daughter and how important she is and, and, uh, and all of that and your fiance. And uh, I'd like you to talk a little bit about life balance because that to me, for women in the Navy, is a very, very hard thing. But I don't think men understand it as such. And I mean, that's when somebody hears me say that, they'll say, what do you mean we don't understand it? I think there are, there are different, different things that, that women have to deal with. So I'd like you to talk a little bit, if you can, about, about work-family balance and how, and how you've managed that and what do you think is important and what do you think uh, is important for the Navy to understand and women to understand as you go forward. That's something I still haven't mastered. I bury myself in, in my job. Um, I have a hard time putting myself first in anything that's in my personal life and whatever it comes to work. I think the best thing that I've learned is you do have to make some time for you. For me, my fiance has been my rock. That is my work-life balance is whenever I am working those long nights, he knows that I'm doing it for my family and for my country and serving. He's there and supported me through all of that and I couldn't do it without him. He has helped with that work-life balance. Whereas if I don't get a text and tell him I'm not gonna make it home for dinner, he just understands. And I think when it comes down to what is work-life balance is finding what works for you. Finding a time to take for you to where if you're going to burn out, you make that time for you. I think I've, I've realized that every six months or so, when you go at it as hard as, you know, a lot of the sailors on my ship have had to, you've got to take a week for yourself and find that. Um, there is no, no easy answer of how to separate it. I do know I never considered getting out in the Navy until I held my daughter. Mm. That one little being completely changed my world. I tried for her for a very long time, and once I had her, I didn't know how I could possibly leave her behind. I didn't. And and I'll tell you, if it wasn't for her dad, I, I don't know what I would do without Clarence. I, I don't know how I would be able to stay. I'm sure that I would figure it out, because I would have to, but I, I am, I'm thankful that uh, he is there for me for that. That's great. That's, that's, uh, 
That's really, um, that's very, very special. Um, I'd like to ask you one last question. So we'll be done. Um, what is your, what is your vision? Uh, I hate to use that term, but what do you think about the future? Not just for you, but for women in the Navy at your level that are, that are advancing. But then I would like you to focus on yourself a little bit. And, and what are your, uh, what are your dreams? What do you, what would you like to achieve? What are your goals? And, uh, We'll wrap this portion above with that. How's okay. it? Um, wow. Uh, the opportunity that the Navy affords to to women now is is boundless. When I first came in, women weren't allowed on submarines. Now they are there not just as officers but as enlisted. Um, they're in special warfares. They are in every aspect of your leadership, your chain of command throughout the Navy. There, there are so many opportunities for women to succeed in the Navy and there are avenues for you to go. There are programs that recognize specifically females in power. Um, I think the the best thing you can do is find a strong mentor, find someone to look up to and guide you and hold yourself accountable, like make clear cut goals and do not make excuses. Get out of your way. Get We are our own biggest obstacles sometimes. Um, figure out what you've got to do to achieve those goals. Who are you and who do you want to be? If those aren't the same people, what do I need to do to get there? Um, my, my ultimate goal is to serve at least my 20 years. I haven't fully decided if I want to stay longer than that yet or not. My daughter is a huge aspect of it. It's very hard to leave her. Um, after that, I would love to get into counseling. I think I'd like to become a guidance counselor, but it would all be founded on the experience that I've gotten from the Navy so far. Um, if not, I really enjoy operating cranes. So I've considered being a crane operator too. Like bosun mate is deep in my blood. I think I would miss it if I had to sit in an office and work somewhere. So I'm torn back and forth from becoming in a professional in an office or just being that bosun mate still. My body may win that fight and I may have to go work in an office though. Bosun mate's kind of tough on you. Okay. Well, BM1, Cheryl Shaw, the uh, 19 or the 2019 uh, Zumwalt Award winner. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and it's been an honor. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for continuing the conversation with us. For more information about this podcast and the Surface Navy Association, visit NavySNA.org. If you like this podcast, please give us a five-star rating. Until next time, fair winds and following seas.